0: A few years ago, I think it was around the year 2000, somebody predicted that soon we were going to see a great, the greatest explosion of communication technology that the world has ever seen. And I thought, well, that's just a bit of exaggeration. Sometimes you hear it from politicians, especially, and other people just kind of stretching the truth. But I think we all realize that that prediction was completely accurate and how our world has changed in the last few years. Now we are introduced to those iPhones that I think most of us probably have in our pockets, including me. We have our social media programs, platforms. We have Facebook, Twitter, and who knows what else. We have Google to give us all kinds of information, GPS to tell us where to go and how to get there all kinds of websites giving us all kinds of information, email that is, gives us all a lot of different things, texting, which I enjoy doing, YouTube, um, and then of course you can have Alexa or Siri talk to you on your phone. I mean, that's amazing. And uh, all sorts of things. Uh, The list goes on and on and on. And how our lives have been changed by all these things. And then you go back a little bit in history and you find the computers, which have become more and more refined. And back a little bit, you have the advent of television, radio further back, photography, telegraph, and uh, in the part of Africa where I grew up, the drums that communicate from one village to another and so all of this is just amazing and if you were to stand back and uh, look at this as a as an observer let's say from another planet or something you'd say what gives with those human beings what's what's so special about all this And what they would find, what they would, the conclusion they'd come to, is that communication means a lot to us. Communication is an all important thing. That's what we want to focus on today. But where does that desire come from? Where does that passion to communicate come from? Well, I think that can be traced back to the fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Because God himself is a great communicator. God himself has a wonderful message that he wants to communicate. And he has spent a lot communicating that message to us. And so as we have this passion to communicate, we are reflecting something of God's grand passion that he has. The Bible that we hold in our hands or that you have on your smart phones um, demonstrates that. 66 books to communicate God's message. 1,189 chapters. 31,103 verses. 807,361 words, depending, of course, on what translation or what version you're using. And so God is a passionate communicator. And we reflect something of that in all of this modern technology that we have been talking about. God used various means as he communicated. He used direct speech, very often he used visions and all kinds of things that he communicated his word and finally as he revealed his words as he recorded them and preserved them for us he came to give the final ultimate communication as Hebrews 1 1 and 2 says so dramatically. God spoke in many ways in the past, but now he has spoken to us by his Son. It's God's ultimate communication with us. Back in the Old Testament, we have creation, and the first part of our call to worship this this morning reflected that. By the breath of his mouth, The heavens were made. And even creation itself was part of God's communication with us. Um, Then there was the law. Then there were the prophets that said, thus says the Lord. And all of this is wrapped up in one grand ultimate message. And the message was a message of redemption. I'm glad for the choice of some of these uh, hymns or songs that we chose, that were chosen this morning, because they reflect that so well, don't they? The communication of God to tell us that even though we are so lost and hopelessly far away from God, God loves us. It's so well wrapped up in that well-known verse that everybody knows. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And John 1 talks about in the beginning was the word and then the word became flesh and lived among us. So Jesus himself becomes God's final, ultimate message to us as it were wrapping up all the things that we talk about in our modern communication. He is our email from God. He is our iPhone. He is our, uh, uh, our um, Facebook and Twitter and all of that and put together from God. Well... We read in Matthew 13, and if you'll turn with with me to that passage, which we're going to read now. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is in the early stages, probably, of his teaching, and he says some very significant things here, which we're going to focus our attention on this morning. Matthew 13. I'm going to read the first nine verses and then verses 18 to 23. And later on, we'll talk a little bit about what's in the middle between there. So if you will stand with me, please, and we will read this passage together. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then dropping down to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your supreme revelation in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, what a Savior. We've been singing hymns that remind us of the great price that was paid for our redemption, how we praise you for that. And yet, Father, there are things that we need to consider this morning regarding our response to your word. And I pray, Father, that as we continue this message and look at how you desire us to respond, that we will take notice, that we will order our lives as you desire them to be. And so I pray you'll give me clarity of speech, clarity of thinking, and give all of us, Father, clarity of understanding, that we will understand your word. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. In between the passage that we read, it was kind of a long passage, so I didn't want to make us stand for all of it, but uh, in between, the question is asked, why are you speaking in parables? The disciples came and asked him that. Because this seems to be the method that Jesus chose to teach. And uh, that's a very important question. Jesus answers it there. And he gives the purpose of the parables. And I want us to look at that for just a few moments. This is this parable of the what's called the parable of the sower, which is not really a very exciting parable. It doesn't have the drama that the Good Samaritan has or the, uh, the prodigal son or some of the other parables. It's just kind of a very ordinary parable. And yet I want to submit that this is probably the most important parable that Jesus gave. I know it's not always safe to to measure one thing against another in Scripture. All of it's very important, of course. But there are some significant facts about this parable. For one thing, it is the only parable that's repeated three times in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give this parable, and that alone should indicate something of its importance more space is given to this parable than any of the others that Jesus gave. We have the statement of the parable, then we have why he gave spoken parables, and then we have the the meaning of the parable. And a lot of space is given to it, as we saw right here in Matthew. A detailed explanation is given Uh, of this parable, more than any of the others. And in Mark's gospel, there's a very significant statement in his recording of this parable. Uh, Jesus said, how then will you understand all parables? And that that seems to suggest that there is something about this parable that underlines and that that highlights every other parable that Jesus spoke. And that should indicate the uh, importance of it. But why parables? As Jesus answered their question, he gives a quotation, and the quotation is given right here uh, in our Bibles. Let's look at verses 13 to 15. I'm getting there. Excuse me. Verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. You will indeed hear, but never understand you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can hardly hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. This is a very significant quotation. And if you look back at Isaiah, It comes in chapter 6 of Isaiah. It is immediately after Isaiah's call to the ministry. Remember when he saw the Lord high and lifted up there in the temple and he heard the voice, "Who Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here am I. Send me. And immediately after that, God speaks these words here, which are quoted in Matthew. And what he is saying is that there is a possibility of this message going out and, in a sense, failing to reach its goal. Now, the second part of our call to worship this morning reminded us of the fact that God's word will accomplish whatever he sends it to. But sometimes there can be a blockage, as it were, and God's word fails to reach its intended goal, not by any fault of the goal of the message itself, certainly not, not any fault of the messenger, but the fault of those who have received it and that's what Jesus wants to focus on this morning you see merely to hear the message is not enough some people could go away after hearing Jesus teach and and brag about it and say we heard Jesus teaching so that they think puts them in a very special position But no, there must be more than that. Feelings are not important. It is man's will that is important. And then Jesus goes on and he spends extra time on this. And we're gonna look now at the response. Before we actually look at the detail of the response, I want you to think about several things Uh, overall regarding it. First of all, these are statements of fact. Jesus said that some of the seed is going to fall in each of these places. And I dare say in a congregation like this, probably there are some that would fall in any one of these four. In fact, all of us would come in any one of these four categories. Maybe not the first one. The first one applies to those who don't really want God's word. But it's possible that even somebody like that is here today. But all of us fit in one or other of these. So these are statements of fact. They're not just theories. Secondly, this is very personal and individual. As we read in Matthew's account, he talks about the one who responds, the one who falls on rocky ground, the one who falls on ground where the thorns grow up. And it's very personal, individual. He accurate, Matthew accurately, or the translators accurately reflect what is in the Greek. The Greek is a singular, Word there. So it's a personal individual. Each one of us has to decide in our own heart which one do I belong to. There's also here a note of warning. Sometimes we can treat God's Word carelessly. We hear it every Sunday. We hear it often. We maybe read it during the week. We hear messages otherwise on our computers or radios or whatever, and we think, well, that's, that, that, that's just it. I, can't, I don't need any more. And so there's a warning to be not careless about God's word, not to be complacent and say, well, it doesn't really matter. I don't, I, I don't see any change in my life. It also gives us a standard of measurement. Each one of us should ask, how am I doing? Where do I fit in on this? Again, God did not make us robots. We have the choice. And we want to now look at the the details. Notice the analogy. God's word here is like seed. That in itself is very significant. An interesting study is to look over the different ways that God's Word is, is made to compare. It's like a mirror. It shows what we are like. That's from the Book of James. It's like a hammer breaking the rock in pieces. It's like a light, Psalm 119, 105. It's like a sword for the battle. It's like water to quench our thirsty soul. But here it's like seed. Seed has life in it. The Word of God has life in it. And so let's look now at the detail. First of all, the hard ground. This is those who have no response to God's Word. They're indifferent to it. They have a hard heart. Their mind is already made up. And many times they substitute my truth as I see it and my feelings for what the Word of God says. How frequent that is in our own day, in our own culture. Many, many people follow this path where they say, well, I don't like what the Word of God says. I don't agree with some of those things. So where I disagree with it, I'm going to follow what I want to do. And I'm going to justify that by somehow saying that it's okay. And so their mind is already made up. They they say God didn't really mean what he said. And that goes right back, of course, to the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that you will not die? You won't really die. And, and that kind of thinking permeates our world even today. And they want to change the, word, the teaching of Scripture, the truth of Scripture, to fit my own liking. Well, that's the first kind of soil. Do any of you fit into that? I hope not. The second kind is the rocky soil. Here there is some response. The words in Matthew says, they endure for a while. God wants us to endure, but not just for a while. This person wants acceptance. They want people to accept him, him or her. They want popularity. They want to avoid controversy. Their commitment to God comes with a great big if. IF. I will follow God if it is convenient for me. If I don't suffer any persecution, if I am still accepted by my peers. And I want to give here a very special message to you who are young people. Some of you in the coming years and maybe even now will be going to college where many, many times your Christian faith will be questioned, will be attacked, will be negatively thought of, Are you going to be like that seed on the rocky soil? Are you going to endure only for a little while as long as you're in church, as long as you're around people that think like you do, that believe like you do? Or are you going to give up your faith when the going gets hard? And it's interesting that For this kind of soil, it says it is shallow. It doesn't go deep. And all of us need to go deep in our understanding of God. That means spend as much time as you can on studying God's word, learning God's word, delving into it, making it an important part of your life, so that you won't give up easily. Um, I have in mind a a young girl. She's only 19 years old, and uh, she has a terrible disease. I'd never heard of it before, but it weakens all of her bodily functions and uh, is one that probably will not find a cure. But this girl has a strong faith in God. She shared with me one time her, her favorite verse, Psalm 46:10, Be still and know that I am God. And her faith is strong in the Lord. How wonderful to see a person like that. She is definitely not on the rocky soil. We need to go deep in the Word. We need to have a solid foundation. And then the third kind of soil is the thorny soil. And this is where I think, where I know I need to especially think about my own experience. And I think we probably all do. This person has a good heart, a good intention, His commitment to the Lord comes with a but. I mean to follow the Lord. I mean to give him more of my time, but I'm too busy. I have too many commitments. Life is too busy. The cares, money, entertainment, pleasures, all crowded on me. And I am just too busy. And so I, I allow good things. These are all good things, but I allow them to cry out or crowd out the word of God. I think sometimes of my, my own experience. I go to my computer. I look up whatever email has come since the last time I looked. Sometimes there's 25, 30, even up to 50 emails. And I go through them, and some of them I automatically delete because they just don't apply, including some that offer me a very special offer in car insurance for the car I don't have, or special mortgage rates for the mortgage I don't have, our home improvement for the home I don't have. So I eliminate those right away. There's always some good things there, too. And I want to linger over them, some of them inspirational, some of them biblical. And uh, I want to take time for them. And I look at them, and I read them, and I get quite a lot of those, actually, from different sources and pretty, pretty soon my time is taken, and I just don't have the, the time left to actually get into God's word myself. And there it says, and that's why I emphasized that when I read it, the word becomes unfruitful. That's a danger. And we all need to think about that. Is the word of God unfruitful in our lives? Sometimes it can be. We need to sort out our priorities in life. What is more important? Those email messages or the messages from God himself? Then the fourth kind of soil is the good soil. And this is talking about being fruitful. Being fruitful means bringing blessing to other people, because just like fruit satisfies a person's hunger, it gives them uh, strength and, and health and all those kind of things, being fruitful means bringing a blessing Sometimes it can be just the fruit of character, love, joy, peace. Are we bearing this kind of fruit? I hope so. That's what God desires from us. And then there's winning other people to the Lord. I want to close with a story that I read recently. The name of the man is Fan P-H-A-N. He lived in a country in Southeast Asia, and the reason I'm putting him in the past tense is that a later word about him is that he has passed away, probably as a martyr for Christ. But anyway, in his early life, Van lived in a little remote village in his country. He wanted to go to the big city and to get a better living and to make his way in the world, like so many people do. He came to the big city and he ended up being very, very hungry. And he remembered somebody telling him that there are certain buildings in the big city where they give away food sometimes. And these buildings can be identified by a cross on the top. And he didn't even know the shape of a cross, so they had to show him what a cross looked like. So he went into the city and he was very hungry. And uh, he found a building with a cross on it. And he went inside and a man was preaching. And as he preached, Fan forgot his hunger, he realized that here was something he really needed far more than food. And he accepted Christ into his life. And he was so excited by this that he went back to his village and he told as many people as he could. And the result was 17 families came to know Christ as their Savior and over a hundred people in those families. So here, literally, he was fulfilling this 100-fold. Not all of us have the opportunity to do that, but there may be the one or two people in our lives that need that. So I wanna just end by saying, where do we stand? How is the seed of the Word of God active in your life in my life this is a great question we should ask and this is what jesus so powerfully emphasized here and we need to think long and hard about that we need to respond to that as god would lead us to do let us pray Father God we thank you that you have done you've done so much for us <coughs> thank you for the great <coughs> redemption which you've accomplished father thank you that we have this powerful message given by your own son a message which all of us need to hear, which all of us need to apply. And I pray, Father, that we will all want to be like that good soil where the seed of your word produces fruit. And, Father, I pray that you will work in our lives according to your good pleasure, that you will produce that kind of fruit in our lives, which pleases you. And we ask all this with thanksgiving. In Jesus' precious name, amen.